this is it, folks. This is this is the big guy. This is the end of the world as we know it on the scene right now. And we've got to rise up. We've got to strengthen our families, strengthen our marriages, repent of our collusion with this through unbiblical divorce and remarriage, fornication, pornography. God wants his people to be righteous, to be pure. Sexual purity was what the early church was most known for. That's what literally blew the Roman Empire's mind is that these Christians are chaste. And now we're just, we're just like them, and that's why this judgment is coming down upon us. That was the voice of Eric Holmberg, our guest from last week here on the Licensed to Parent broadcast. And we were talking about how to deal with the issue of homosexuality when our culture, when the world around us is trying to make that which God calls perverse, normal. We're dealing with uh, the normality of perversion uh, today on Licensed to Parent, and our guest is Eric Holmberg. Once again, Eric is the founder and director of Real to Real Ministries Incorporated and the Apologetics Group. He's an ordained minister, an author, a speaker, and a video documentarian. And uh, Eric, you've got a new video coming out um, in the very near future. Can you give us the thumbnail sketch of, of what that is and what it's about? We actually have two. One is called Is Gay Okay? Ten Things Every Christian Needs to Know, hosted by my dear friend Larry Tomczak, best-selling Christian author, just explaining the key ideas every Christian needs to have nailed down in regard to this particular issue. Then we have another video called Is Gay the New Black? Homosexuality in the Civil Rights Movement, where we examine the hijacking of the uh, civil rights movement and the women's rights movement um, by the the LGBTQ movement, where they're trying to, and probably the most effective ploy has been to connect what they're trying to do with the whole notion of civil rights. And it's been very effective, and we just basically expose and break apart why that that, that analogy is, is fallacious. There's also a, a DVD extra on that DVD called From Selma to Stonewall, which is available now, free of charge, a DVD on our website. You can also find it on YouTube. Um, where we look at the president and his uh, inaugural speech, also several other speeches. He has, he has used the alliteration of from Seneca Falls to Selma to Stonewall, all which begin with S. Seneca Falls is one of the key staging points for the uh, women's rights, women voting rights movement. Uh, Selma, of course, civil rights movement. And then Stonewall is a, a, story, a little little known event that took place up in New York. I've probably talked to 100 different Christian leaders, I think only two of them had any idea what Stonewall was, but it's really a perfect place to show the, the dramatic contrast between Selma and Stonewall. So that video explores 15 minutes long, very interesting. And by the way, we're coming out with a new version of it because recently there's a new website, I can't recall the name of it, but the Obamas were involved with it. That's kind of a history of the gay rights movement. Mm-hmm where they actually say on their timeline that Stonewall was an event where the police were uh, exercising violence against uh, passive gay people, which is exactly opposite of what happened. The police were the victims of violence on the part of these uh, these drag queens and uh, and mostly young men that were homosexual prostitutes. Mm. So all, all you need to know about the homosexual movement is right, right there in that, that little video. Excellent. Well, now that we're three minutes into the program, let us officially welcome you. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, welcome back to the program, rather. Listen, speaking of the whole movement, it's not just that individual homosexuals are out of the closet, but the whole movement is out of the closet, and the momentum is on their side. And uh, it's really... Um, 
mowing us over like a tidal wave. Uh, and I'm not one to promote don't ask, don't tell. But let me ask you this. Why should my kids have to even know the sexual appetites of every Tom, Dick, uh, and Jane that inhabits the planet anyway? You know, it seems like uh, people are identified not by, you know, they're firemen, policemen, butchers, bakers, or candlestick makers. But, you know, I'm gay or I'm straight. Why should that even be in the equation when someone is introduced on a talk show or, or you know, a sporting event? What? Why is that? Well, that's a great point, and they shouldn't be. Um, and that's part of the sexualization, hypersexualization of our culture. Uh, speaking to the issue of kids, I certainly don't think that they're supposed to know everything uh, or really anything at a young age. Everything has to be done in an age-appropriate manner. It's the same way with explaining the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. What a weird euphemism that is. But uh, <laughs> I had the sex talk with all my kids. It was very open. I was not at all embarrassed about it. We sat down at, at an age appropriate when they started asking questions. You can tell they really wanted answers as opposed to just asking a question and moving on. And we, we had the talk. And, um, and at some point after that, a couple, two, three years after that, it's probably a good time to address the fact that there's a lot of people who are broken in this particular area in our culture. And so you need to know that there's these terms out here and this is what it means and this is what they this is what it's all about. Although, again, age-appropriate, I'm thinking of my dear friend Barbara up in Minneapolis, and there was a massive push by the Department of Justice, Eric Holder, to force the normalization of homosexuality in the schools there. It's incredible. And they were successful. And um, uh, long story how all that happened. But anyway, bottom line is she told me, almost weeping, that some little boy came home from school, I think he was 8 or 9, 10 years old, and came home just all upset, saying they told me what homosexuals do today, and then he threw up. He was so emotionally disturbed, he literally vomited. Just the idea that men would do this to other men, it just was so disturbing. Where are the child abuse police when, when, you know, when this kind of stuff takes place? I mean... Well, they're they're conspicuously missing. You probably know about the case in Massachusetts where a father, you know, came across some similar stuff in the curriculum, went to the school, matter in a hornet, ended up getting arrested, told he, you know, he, his only choice was to take his kids out of the school, but they would not be exempted from these classes. It was part of the curriculum, and the only thing you can do is get your kids out of the school. So this is going to become mandatory across the board. This, by the way, goes beyond that, because the whole sex education movement within the school system, there's always the question of, why are you saying so much to those so young so soon? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so this, uh, I would say, spans not only the homosexual uh, agenda in this case, but the heterosexual one, too. And the, and the question that you raised, Trace, why are we revealing what our proclivities may be in a public setting when we don't need to? Right. And, and, let me, and, and, if, and if homosexual sex is uh, supposed to be, uh, you know, just as legitimate as any other kind of sex, uh, Eric, you just mentioned that uh, you had a, uh, the birds and the bees talk with your kids, and then a few years later, maybe have uh, talk about the perversions. I'm thinking, why not talk about it all at the same time if it's so normal? I mean, ha- have you had a conversation with a homosexual as far as anything like that's concerned? Well, they would say it. They would, they would have that talk. That's the point. That they, uh-huh. It's so been dumbed down now that, um, yeah, they absolutely um, would have that talk and maybe even model it for them. I've heard of cases like that where people live, they just the bedroom doors open, kids are exposed to all kinds of perversions, and they just think it's normal. Oh, so you can't be serious. Unbelievable. 
Well, Eric, here, listen, you, you've heard uh, homosexuals say, I, I knew I was a homosexual at an early age, maybe as young as uh, three, four, five, six years old. Have, have you heard of that? Well, first off, nobody is a homosexual at five years of age. In fact, this is another, in our last show, we talked about cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, that people are forced, because their consciences are defiled, to, um, to find ways of justifying their lifestyle and their inclinations. And a great example of this would be the executive producer of Glee, I can't remember his name right now, but he did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine where he, he raised the same very common statement that I have been gay since the get-go, but then he proceeds to talk about being molested by an older boy when he was, uh, you know, pre-adolescent and, and really pre-sexual. I mean, by definition, you know, adolescence is the time when you start, your sexual hormones start flowing and your sexual interests start to quicken. And, and uh, so it, prior to that, you know, we can be anything. We can, our minds can think we're Superman. I mean, we fantasize. We kids are just known for that. They're all over the map as far as trying to figure out who they are. We remain that way as teenagers and sometimes through our entire lives, you know. There's a lot of flux in, in the human psyche. But, um, but it's just a classic example of how because of trauma and, and because of his own uh, interest in following that trauma and embracing a debauched lifestyle, that let down the road, you convince yourself that before you were even sexual, you were you were homosexual. So it, it's it's crazy. It's part of the whole uh, madness that's associated with this whole movement. It's something that we need to learn about and be aware of. Hmm. You know, as Christians, we would of course say that the act of homosexuality is is wrong. Fox News, Bill O'Reilly has maintained the idea that that uh, we Christians haven't given a consolidated, cogent argument against this practice without using Scripture. So, number one, can a cogent argument be given without using Scripture? Number two, should a cogent argument be given without using Scripture? And three, what do parents need to be doing to prepare their kids for the persecution that's coming? Or is it already here? Chris, you've asked me a lot of good questions on the air, and both just because we're good friends over the years. That might be the best question you've ever asked me. And, and there's a lot of debate going on now within the pro-biblical marriage. Of course, a lot of people call it traditional marriage, which I hate that term. What does traditional mean? Um, mm-hmm. The biblical marriage movement as to whether or not we should try to open with a, a cogent, uh, quote, secular argument. And, um, and as something of a presuppositionalist, my answer would be no. The bottom line is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If there's a God, if there's a creator, then what the creator has to say about things is really the ultimate. It's what, what fundamentally matters. And to tell the Creator to sit down and shut up while we try to foment some type of theory based on our own, the machinations of our own fallen, fallible, and finite minds is a fool's errand. Yes, there are things you can point to historically, anecdotally, that would you can present a fairly persuasive argument that we should not normalize homosexuality. But, uh, but I, I'm convinced that our lead should always be, and Bill O'Reilly... Uh, forgive me, but Bill O'Reilly, uh, you know, the guy is a is a useful idiot. He has been for years, <laughs> and he does he does some good things. But he is a humanist, and the idea that you're going to put God in a box and tell God to sit down and shut up is, as a Christian, patently offensive to me. Um, no, we 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 need to lead, and then we can follow it behind that with 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 a biblical apologetic. We can follow behind that with some naturalistic evidential apologetics. And you go from there. Uh, you know, a great example I use is America. I saw the, the uh, Attorney General for the state of, of California. I can't remember her name, but uh, very pro-gay, um, attractive kind of uh, black, uh, white uh, blend. 
um, and uh, she was on a, uh, on a CNN show, and she talked about the sacred rights that Americans have. She used the word sacred. Well, hmm. what does that mean? You're appealing to a transcendent uh, authority. That's by definition what sacred means. Right. And, of course, the one thing that's sacred now in America, the only thing that is still sacred, is this notion that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Well, uh, Thomas Jefferson said we find this to be self-evident. Um, initially, he said, I think, eternal and, uh, uh, you know, divine or something, and then Franklin crossed it out, said it's too religious, and turned it into uh, self-evident. The fact is, it's not self-evident. It wasn't self-evident to Aristotle or Plato. It wasn't self-evident to Genghis Khan or Louis the Fourteenth or, you know, uh, caliphs during the, you know, in Islamic history. In fact, it is utterly contrary to human reasoning to say that all men are created equal. Uh, Aristotle, Plato said some men are born to be kings, some slaves. It was only because there was a biblically informed Christian worldview that was predominant in that particular time in America, mm-hmm. the development of America that it was self-evident to most Americans. So we can then say, look, people, we're building our entire culture based on this, this transcendent idea that, that is rooted in Scripture that all men are created equal. So you, you, you've conceded that. But why do you stop there and say all the other things that Scripture teaches are religious and have no part in the in public dialogue? It's 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 disingenuous, it's dishonest, and it has to stop. All ideas, all great ideas, ultimately are rooted in some type of metaphysical, transcendent, a priori presupposition. I mean, redundant there, and uh, and that cannot be proven empirically. It's a faith-based idea. From upon which the superstructure of our ethical system is, is established. So, um, you know, as Christians, we stand boldly upon the Word of God. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Without the fear of God, you had nothing but, but air to stand upon. And uh, that's the bottom line. Hmm. Well, being the king of cliffhangers, uh, Eric, I'm going to ask you a question. And then before you can answer it, we're going to go to the break because we do need to take a break for our stations. Given what you have just been saying and what Trace was asking you a moment ago, it seems that lordship is what determines what we as as followers of Christ do. And uh, if if God is my Lord, then what he says through his word is what I'm going to follow. The question, therefore, would be, why is it important for us as followers of Christ to try to convince a world that doesn't claim lordship of Christ to get them to follow our way of thinking? Don't answer that, at least not yet. We'll come back in just a moment and continue with our guest, Eric Holmberg. He is the uh, founder and director of uh, Real to Real Ministries Incorporated and the Apologetics Group. And he has been with us today discussing how to deal with the pro-homosexual movement in a culture that is calling it normal. The program is licensed to parent. We'll be back with more conversation right after this. Hi, I'm Rich Rosel, co-host of Licensed to Parent. The conversations and the teaching that you hear on this program come from the daily experiences gained at Shepherd's Hill Academy, the Christ-centered therapeutic boarding school founded by our host, Trace Embry, that serves troubled teenagers from all around the world. Teens come to Shepherd's Hill struggling with depression, oppositional defiance, ADD, ADHD, cutting, digital addictions, and any number of other behavioral disorders. Yet by God's grace, and by using the scriptural principles that we discuss right here on License to Parent, these students experience healing. Not only that, many are graduating medication-free. 
At Shepherd's Hill, we're cultivating the soil of our students' hearts so that the seed of God's Spirit can take root and bear fruit. And on License to Parent, we're equipping you to be the parent your child needs. Please join us in this important outreach by visiting us today at LicensedToParent.org. Your tax-deductible contribution can rebuild the hearts and lives of teens and their parents in today's troubled culture. Don't wait. Go to LicensedToParent.org and click Donate at the top of the page. This is Kevin Swanson from Generations with Vision, and I want to say that Shepherd's Hill Academy is a wonderful opportunity for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the reconciliation of, of our young people with God, uh, reformation of life, uh, the ministry of the Spirit of God, and radically changing lives. And, and by the grace of God, this is what happens with Shepherd's Hill Academy. And we want to praise God for what uh, these folks have been doing. Shepherd's Hill Academy serves families with teenagers in crisis. If you have a situation you need help with, go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Inquire Now. That's HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, coming to you from Shepherd's Hill Academy, a residential treatment facility for troubled teens here in the beautiful mountains of Northeast Georgia. Our host is Trace Embry and our special guest today, Eric Holmberg, continuing our conversation about uh, dealing with our kids and the topic of homosexuality, uh, which is becoming more and more prevalent in a world that's now calling perversion normal. And Eric, right before the break, I was I was asking you, if we as followers of Christ claim Christ to be our Lord and we say, therefore, what we believe is based on what Christ teaches, but the rest of the world doesn't believe that way, why is it important that we try to convince them or influence them to see things our way? Three answers. Number one, because God commands it. The Great Commission, which is sadly has become the great omission, Hmm. His last words before Jesus left the planet, he said, Guys, all power and authority have been given to me. Now, therefore, go out and disciple nations, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded. So he, he tells us to. Secondly, keep in mind there's, there's a, there's a uh, kind of enlightened self-interest aspect of this, because it's as we do it that we learn wisdom. God is interested in us as believers because he's training us to rule and reign in the new heavens and new earth that are, hmm. that are coming, approaching us. And, uh, and it's by doing this, wrestling with things like this, that we learn how to, how to grow, become like Christ, gain wisdom, become, go from being priests to kings, and are, prepare ourselves to one day rule and reign with Christ over the new creation. And then thirdly, we do it because we love the people around us. We love them. We care about them. We know this is death, that they're committing slow suicide. The culture's mm. committing suicide. So it's our job to, engage the culture um, simply because we know they're lost, they're deceived, and they made a covenant with death, and that's where they're going to end up if we don't do something. Well, Eric, even if we or our kids had all these cogent answers, biblical, scientific, or otherwise, is this train, this momentum, this homosexual momentum, is it moving so fast and so far down the track already that, that only a national epidemic or disaster is going to wake us up as a people? Well, uh, I would, uh, yes, I think, I think, my guess would be now God could send revival tomorrow. I mean, He could, um, and I pray that He will. That it could just be a move of the Holy Spirit over the over the nation, like it was in the 
days in Jonathan Edwards, and people just mm-hmm. repent, get saved in, in massive numbers, and uh, and we come back to our senses. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, my gut is that because to whom much is given, much more is required, because we have turned our back on God and, and have consciously set our face just to disobey Him, I think we're in for a serious spanking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think God is going to hold back his judgments. His judgments, by the way, are already here. They're just they're just dialing up in intensity. Right. What I suspect is going to happen, now the good news is, if you like, I'll make a prediction. We're going to see homosexuality forced on all 50 states by the Supreme Court within the next five years, like in a Roe v. Wade type of decision. Um, but while that's happening, the federal government is imploding. Uh, uh, it is. It is. It has spent itself into oblivion. It's going to have to start defaulting on all kinds of obligations. It's already doing that. Obamacare is going to kick in, and we're going to realize, oh my goodness! And we're already seeing a movement back to states' rights. And I'm not talking about secession. I'm talking about simply states taking back their constitutional rights and telling the federal government just just to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hoping that Tennessee, Georgia, other states, Texas. We'll just tell the federal government we are not going to follow this your your mandate to normalize homosexuality. In fact, we're going to constitutionally in our state um, make it illegal, and uh, and we're taking back our rights. And so you're going to start to see a fracturing of the country. Uh, a lot of decentralization is going to take place, mm-hmm. and you're going to start to see pockets of Christian liberty breaking out, where on other states, Massachusetts, California. Um, my poor believe was up there. I feel sorry for you, but mm. you might want to leave at some point. But they're going to become increasingly statist, socialist, pro-gay, the, the whole thing. And then we'll get back to the glorious um, words of Thomas Jefferson, the states are the laboratories of democracy, and we'll see which states ultimately thrive and prosper and which ones implode. So I think there's going to be a lot of fracturing, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Um, it might require some of the states to decide to go this way to stand up to the federal government, which can mean having their power grids shut off or loss of federal funds, which would actually be a blessing. Okay, you keep the money, we'll stop giving you money. That's just called a, a fair deal. Just get out of our business. But it, there's going to be a lot of social upheaval. I suspect there'll be martyrs um, before it's over with. Well, that's um, what I was going to ask you. I mean, Jim Garlow has already said that we, you know, for the past five years, we've we, America is now a land of the persecuted church. It's just going to get worse. How do parents prepare their kids for the coming, well, the persecution that's here and the persecution that's going to, going to come? Yeah, just preach the lordship of Christ. Read the stories of saints who've gone before us. This is how the church has always moved, this Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in times of great apostasy, it, there's, there's a remnant, there's a Gideon remnant that rises up. And so I would present, you know, kids have, the glory of a young person is their strength, the glory of wise older people are their gray hair, their symbol of wisdom. But young people are into changing the world. So I would turn this into a glorious uh, second American revolution, guys. This, this is, we're yeah. starting all over again. Instead of King George, it's 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 the status Leviathan, you know, Hobbesian, demonic, uh, you know, thing that has has taken the place of what our founders intended. It's come upon us to uh, to bring the second American Revolution, which hopefully won't be a shooting war. It'll be a war of ideas mm-hmm. and sacrifice and love and service. Um, but you know, let's 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 get ready. And I think a lot of kids will go, man. This is totally cool. Let's let's do it. Um, you know, I, I can tell you from the kids that we deal with here at Shepherd's Hill Academy that, you know, they're looking for something to uh, crusade for. And if we can get them turned to, you know, like I know a, a lot of the young people are 
have certainly changed from our generation on the issue of abortion. And I, I can see once they hear, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, you know, we have them for a year to tell them the rest of the story and to live it out, you know, through our lives with these kids for a year. I'm telling you, they are on fire to get things turned around here. That's encouraging to me. Yeah, it's exciting. I think I think kids and I think adults, I mean, we're not exempt from this either. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to die of old age and just slowly go out. I'd, I'd rather be lit on fire and and go out in the blaze of glory. So, hmm. what an opportunity! Sure. Well, we're we seem to be losing this battle. I mean, big time. Uh, how how can the church get this uh, turned around? The infrastructure is already there. Why aren't we doing a better job to dig our heels in and keep this whole calamity from happening? Yeah, another great question, Trace. Awesome question. You know, Christians remain the single largest ideological block in the country uh, by far. Um, homosexuals are 2%, maybe 2.5% of the culture. There's probably legitimately 20, 25% of the people in America are genuinely born-again Christians. Various levels of maturity, maybe more. That, you know, I've heard 40, but I, I doubt that. But whatever number... Uh, there's more of us than there are of them. And, um, and I would have to say that this Pogo famous who said we've met the enemy and he is us, that what's, what's, what's brought this on is the church. The church has failed to be salt and light. Thank you very much. We've, got, we've gotten caught up in the things of this world, as Francis Schaeffer said, the twin idols of personal peace and affluence. That, that's been our primary or secondary God. You know, Jesus, we love you. Why don't you stay out of our life here while we pursue personal peace and affluence? And uh, so now this is a judgment we've brought on ourselves. And so what we need to do is, number one, repent. Number two, get radically under the Lordship of Christ. Cry out to Him, Lord, take over my life. Uh, three, repent specifically of those things that have given rise to this. I would argue that fornication of the Church has given rise to this. I would argue, argue that uh, the Internet porn and the fact that statistically 50% of the men in the Church, I'm told, um, you know, are looking at pornography on a routine basis and the, the issue of divorce and remarriage, uh, I think that there's no question in my mind that in very narrow situations, the Bible does allow for divorce, even though God hates it. But we have now normalized uh, in the church unbiblical divorce and, re- and more importantly, remarriage. And uh, there's lots of people out there that just if they can't make their marriage work, they just need to say, that's it, I'm done, and I'm yeah. just going to live for the Lord. Um, but there's a lot of house cleaning that needs to go on for us to have any kind of spiritual authority when we go out in the field to take on this Goliath. Sure. Yeah. Our guest today has been Eric Holmberg. In fact, for the past couple of programs, we've been talking with Eric about raising kids in a pro-homosexual culture and how we as the parents need to deal with a very tricky subject and one that regrettably is becoming so uh, prevalent that we're finding it not only in the school systems, but also in our very churches. Uh, Eric Holmberg is the founder and director of Real to Real Ministries Incorporated and the Apologetics Group. And as he's mentioned, there are several videos that uh, he has made available on his website free of charge. And Eric, would you tell people how to find you again online? Yes, uh, it's theapologeticsgroup.com. The Apologetics Group. If you just type that in Google, it'll pop up immediately and click and go to the link. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on this issue there. Excellent. And as Trace mentioned, there is so much more we could talk about. We'd like to have you on again uh, in the near future, sir. So thank you very much for being with us. Glad to do it. 
And uh, the program you've been listening to is called Licensed to Parent. We are the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a residential treatment program for troubled teens located in Martin, Georgia. And if you'd like to find more great parenting resources, as well as access to our blog and uh, archives of past programs, we'd like you to visit our website, licensedtoparent.org. That's licensedtoparent.org. While you're there, I do ask that you take a look in the upper right-hand corner of the site because there you will find a Donate button. And that button is vitally important to the continuation of our ministry. Your tax-free donation in any amount will go a long way toward helping us continue to minister to troubled teens here at Shepherds Hill Academy and ministering to their parents on the License to Parent program. On behalf of Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel. Thanks so much for joining us, and please be back with us again next time as we once again renew your license to parent. And folks, listen, the government wants to be your kids' parents. The culture wants to be your kids' parents. The public school system wants to be your kids' parents. Uh, Maybe your neighbor wants to be your kids' parents, but you are the only one that has a license to raise your kids. So if you don't train your kids, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. 